going on, everybody? You're listening to The Sane Show, the show about nothing and everything, presented by Elegance by Taj. I'm your host, Cliff. And today I have joining us hip-hop artist, entrepreneur, and investor. He's also my cousin. Been wanting to have him on. Everybody, welcome, Sal, to The Sane Show. How you doing, man? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Got that sweet wet wine in my cup. I'm ready to get going, man. Let's let's do it. Happy to be here, man. It's a long time coming. Yeah, man. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, really quick, I just want to take a moment to shout out all the listeners, everybody across the world and over 40 different countries taking and listening to the same show. Really appreciate you guys continuing to show your support. And for those of you who are listening and don't follow us on social media, be sure to check us out on IG and Twitter at Sane underscore show. That's Sane, S-A-N-E underscore show. Again, Sane, S-A-N-E underscore show. And then you can find us on Facebook at The Sane Show. Again, on Facebook, The Sane Show. So I want to go ahead and introduce our topic. First topic, we're going to talk about the New Jersey and New York City hip hop scene. Then we're going to talk about multiple streams of income. And then we're going to have our interview following those two topics and let the listeners get to learn a little bit about you, Sal, uh, the things that you got your hands in, and also yeah. uh, learn about you as a hip-hop artist as well. So let's go ahead and jump into it with the first topic, the New York, New Jersey hip-hop scene. Obviously, you live in Jersey. You're a hip-hop mm-hmm. artist. And mm-hmm. I really couldn't think of a better person to have this conversation with. Uh, because it just when I think about it, and especially when I look at you and I look at all the artists that come out of the area, that area is the home of hip hop as well. And mm-hmm. it's so unique. And one of those things like it, it separates itself from everywhere else in the country, obviously, because of this uniqueness. I mean, just just tell me from your perspective, what are what are some of the things that you see up there and in being in that environment and of how hip-hop there is different and unique from everywhere else in the country i haven't been everywhere in the country so i couldn't tell you about uh how it uh it's it's so much different but you know i can speak all from experience of where i have been where i've traveled and just my experience in this area it's definitely vibrant it's definitely passionate people come out especially if you're thinking about more so like shows and um you know how that all gets down with the crowd it's definitely Definitely a dope atmosphere, um, especially in New Jersey, in the cities, in New York. Going to have like great shows and you know a lot of artists performing throughout throughout the week. Just mm-hmm. musically, I think over the years it's evolved really cool. Thanks to not having to rely just on the inter- I'm sorry, on the radio, but like more so like the internet and like YouTube and all this kind of stuff. All these streaming services, people are able just to like. Be influenced, like you can be in this area and have this culture and feel this weather and see these buildings and dress how we dress, but you can also listen to music all around the world and just be an artist. So I think artists in New York, I mean, a lot of people still have like a, there's people that still have like a, you know, East Coast sound, I would say a little bit, but I mean, it's a mix. I feel like it's a mixture though. Like I think more people now more so now are just being themselves for better or worse, which I think is good. People are being individuals for the most part. It's pretty cool. And I, I think it's evolving. So it's, it's pretty dope. So from what you're saying, to me, it sounds like the music there really thrives off of the culture of the people that live there with 
am I understanding you correctly when I say that? I would say that, and I, I probably would say anybody from Atlanta or L.A. or Miami, whatever, Carolina, whatever, they may or may not be influenced a lot by their environment. So I think artists over here in Jersey and New York, you know, I don't think it's no different for sure. Okay. It, it's funny you when you bring up a place like North Carolina. This is just me personally speaking. It, it seems that North Carolina, hip-hop artists at least, struggled a bit to find their sound and find whatever it is that defines them. And it seems like a thing now where it's just, just go with, just go with what you know, go what you feel is, feel is right. And then just take and go from there. And then from there, you'll develop the sound. You see where I'm going with that? For sure. Because I'm pretty sure in the tri-state area, it was the same thing. Early on, there wasn't a definitive answer as to what it sounds like. But as time went on and people continue making music, it's like, okay, this is what hip hop from this part of the country sounds like, or this particular area. You, you see where I'm going with that? Yeah, I can say that, man, but it really depends on the artist. Fat Joe has said in, in the Make It Rain, why y'all so mad at the South for? Switch up your style up, switch the Southpaw, you know what I mean? Jada, I was listening, and and basically, people up here, it's a common theme. Trap is a common theme in in hip-hop, you know, and just, like, certain melodic rapping and stuff. Like, that's just a common theme throughout the whole genre. So, I mean, is the sound a little bit different? I would say maybe the energy is different. Like, Mm -hmm. I would say someone with the energy on a track from here is going to be different from somebody in L.A., as well as somebody in another part of the country, in Atlanta or whatever like that, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, when you travel down to Georgia and Atlanta, you see that, and you see them open roads and all that kind of stuff. You'd be like, all right, I understand why maybe stuff sounds the way it do. Same thing while, uh, you know, things may sound the way it does appear. So I think the biggest discrepancy you're going to probably see and hear and, and feel is just probably the energy, and then you'll get the great, the better artists, the cream of the crop. You'll get there, you'll feel their individualism, and those are the ones that got the fan bases staying around for a little bit. You bring up a really interesting point when you talk about the energy. When I'm thinking about the sound, I'm literally thinking about the sound, the production, and then also the sound of the artist. But then when you talk about the energy, now you got me thinking about the flow. Yeah. Because the sound is not just, it's obviously, it's not just the production and it's not just the the sound of the artists themselves and their flow, but then you got to think about what makes up that sound, especially when you're talking about hip-hop artists. One, you got to think, like, as far as West Coast artists, you know, you got to think about the accent, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. the vibe that you get when you go out there, how it's so laid back and all that verse in like in new york you see what i'm going like again yeah. you guys have an accent and dialect and the way that you guys move up there you feel that when you listen to some of the artists from the area not saying it's the it's the same with everybody but you get that distinctive sound I'll give you a quick example brooklyn in brooklyn because brooklyn you know they it's been hot always hot you know <laughs> always gonna be hot brooklyn but for example Casanova got the record So Brooklyn with Fabulous. That's like a hard record. If I would think of like a New York sound, whether if it wasn't, if, if I'm not going to mention like something that maybe like Joy Badass and them will do or, you know, somebody from Ferg or somebody from their crew or something will do, 
that record sounds like that sounds like the street mm-hmm. that record so brooklyn right and then in the same borough you'll get the dude flip the narrow he got the leave me alone and it's singing oh, yeah. and and so and it's the same borough dude so it's like it depends you know what i'm saying like right it it depends on the artist and their influence and stuff but like again on that flip the narrow record he he's singing but then he's rapping he, the energy is like a certain it's a certain way at a certain level so i think in both those records just give you just to give you an example two people from the same borough has different sounds different way about attacking the track melodically etc but like the energy in both of them are like it's it's at a high level one is a little more street and a little more rugged just to point that out there Really quick, before we get back to the show, remember this episode is being sponsored by Elegance by Taj. They can help you plan a number of events from weddings, baby showers, social events, corporate gatherings, and many more. I recently attended their opening event and it was a great experience. I can think of a lot of people right now who could use their services. So check out their website at elegancebytaj.com. All right, now we're going to hop into the second topic, multiple streams of income. And of course, having had multiple conversations with you, Sal, I know this is something that, you know, you often talk about and big on and not just putting yourself in one silo and relying on one thing, but putting your position, especially, you know, you have those, we have those conversations about wealthy people and how they often have multiple streams of income. Yeah. I couldn't think of a better topic right here. So, you know, when I think about this, again, having spoken to you so many times about things like this, you know, not isolating yourself to one thing. And I know you were saying, what like, you recently gotten into real estate, right? Right. Same prayer, man. I'm trying to push a deal through right now before Christmas. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> and, and also, too, you know, setting yourself up in a way where one thing supports the other. You always got to have that one thing that's like your bread and butter, right? That that feeds into the other plan. And especially you being a hip hop artist, when when I think about how you how you do things and how you move, it makes me think of people like Jay Z and mm. Master P being able to establish themselves as artists. And then you look at Jay Z now, you look at him in a totally different light. Like he's he's bigger than than just an artist. He's you know, he's gotta deal with the NFL now. He's got got what what Ace of Spades as well. And like if you look at his portfolio, it's just impressive. He has to deal with Live Nation, with you know, with Rock Nation and all that kind of stuff. Or not Rock Nation, yeah. but Yeah, yeah, you know, Rock Nation, yeah. Okay. Rock yeah, <laughs> I wasn't sure. But yeah, <laughs> So when you look at all of that, you look at his portfolio, it's like, it's just impressive. And, you know, that's, it's really inspiring, not just to young entrepreneurs, but, you know, me and, and I'm sure you as well, you know, being, being young black entrepreneurs and seeing someone like that as being a model example, it just, it does, it does a lot. And it makes you really want to look into that and take those and think more about it. What's your take on that? I think it's very important. I think it depends on the person and the person being able to understand 
why it's important and how it can not just benefit yourself, but also benefit your family and why it's so important for not just your present, but your future. I personally got a chance to understand that and understand how it could help me. I was always big on trying to help others. And I'm like, well, I can't help anybody if I can't help myself. So one of the ways of helping myself was to, you know, figure out different types of streams of income that I, that can be created and things I could work on. So mm-hmm. depend, it depends on a person, but a person like me that, you know, has goals and things I'm trying to do and who I want to look in the mirror and I think about who I am, and who I want to be like, you know, I know that that person needs that. So that's what mm-hmm. I try to work on. I think another good example, even though they're, they're a large company, Google, right? Uh-huh. And I didn't find out till a few years ago that Google has a has a parent company, and basically what the owners of the founders of Google did was create the parent company, and it was it's mm-hmm. called the Alphabet Company. Yeah, and I never even knew that. In that family, they created all these different companies under that uh, Alphabet umbrella, where pretty much. They had other companies that they funded, started or, you know, started up from scratch and they got a venture capital firm and taking and mm. investing. You, you see what I mean? And just because it's like, oh, no, it's not just Google. They took that money from that Google money that they made and then started up multiple businesses. Oh, even the riches of the rich, you know, that's how they're they're thinking like it. Dude. It, just, Go just ahead. to chime in, keep talking. But just when you shot, when you said venture capital, one day I was in Brooklyn at this pool hall right across the street from Sweet Chick Nas Restaurant, random, and I was in there and I seen the dude from Harlem Harlem Capital Partners. Yo, I want to say a big shout out to those those dudes, man. Black young men, black women, and they're like, I feel like I just seen something on like TechCrunch or something. They just raised. 30 million or 40 million or something like that to invest in like minority companies or something like that. So just throwing that in there because that coming with this multiple streams of income and just wealth and abundance and and especially people of color and, and just diversity. So yeah, bro, just I just thought about it and that's just dope. Shout out that to is, all that. Everybody's doing fly <laughs> stuff. That is dope. It, it really is. And I got a buddy actually, he works for a venture capital firm and you know, when I talk to him and I hear all the great things that they're doing and yeah. all the great projects that they're investing in, it's it's just it's just wild, man. And it's just right. like the people one, you gotta applaud those people one, because to be able to pull together money and go out and take a risk to invest in other people's ideas mm-hmm. is one thing. And then another part of it is to be able to invest in other people's ideas and help them to become successful. You know, I, I love it when I see those venture capital firms investing in these businesses and then it's like, okay, we invested in it. We got ours, you know, you're on your own. And that business goes off to be the next big thing or whatever, you know, just wildly successful. So it's great. But back to the whole uh, multiple streams of income, it's just like the, yeah. the opportunities are are endless, especially when I think about- Rich like, that, poor that. Right, right. That was that was that was a big thing for me. Like a conversation I was having with a friend, and I was telling him, I said, because he, you know, like he has all these like great ideas, right? And I said, dude, mm-hmm. like, okay, just start with that one. Just start with that one, get it going, and then just that pretty much be your 
your bread and butter right there and then go ahead and get the rest of them going and then boom you got something good going yeah fo focus on assets and minimize liabilities basically bro and what i learned as well is like not to be afraid of debt not to be afraid of debt either i don't want to come from it from just pure like minority like a black space but just just general just coming up that's kind of like what i'm what i've peaked is just like one of the biggest friends and i, I think a lot of the you know mark cuban and, and guys like that they would like be like oh like you gotta you should have great sales and like build up that way and create cash flow that way which i can agree with and you should definitely do but a lot of the best businesses in in america started off debt like you wouldn't have a lot of stuff so i mean you utilizing debt in advantageous asset way is i think is dope so yeah building up assets whether it's like what you were saying creating a brand new product or it's just investing in assets or building an asset with a business because a business is an asset you know what i mean that creates cash flow and just just minimizing liabilities, just stupid things, you know, as, especially as you get older, you just feel like, yeah, that really, that don't even really matter. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. But yeah, yeah. You bring up a good point when you talk about don't be afraid to take on debt because it's like the book I read by Hill Harper called Letters to a Young Brother. Yeah, he's like, there's good, there's good, basically good debt and bad debt. Good debt, a mortgage for a home, going to school. A mortgage could be bad debt because if you get if, a mortgage if, and you just get a house and you and it's not making you no money, right, right. Debt, if you that, don't do that it right, bad debt. Yeah, that could be bad debt, bro. So yeah. same thing with a business. If you don't, if you don't do it right and you mess around and take out a loan and you don't do a good job executing, then yes, that can be bad debt. Bro, but anything it, that does not create cash, right, is bad. If you're using debt. To fund, like if you get debt, you take out a loan to get a whip. All right, cool. And you're going to you finance the whip. That's what's up. But if you're not going to make no bread off the whip, you might get to work here and from it. Then you got maintenance, you got repairs, all this other kind of stuff. Anything that you're going to take a loan out for or you utilize debt for should be used to make create income. Because then, like, you, you know what I mean? You can, like, whatever the APR is going to be on that loan, if you're making some money back, you can leverage some other people's money to create money for yourself, pay that joint down, pay that joint off, and then you just create another stream. Not to, like, cut you off and nothing like that, but mortgage, sure. I have a mortgage, but I also have tenants. I'm a landlord, you know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like I'm not just paying a mortgage and I just pull in the garage and go to sleep and just chill like which is fine but if we talking assets then we talking money we talking cash flow so right that's what I'm gonna be about now we're gonna go ahead and jump into the interview let the listeners get to learn a little about you and the things you got going on so let's go ahead and jump right into it as far as your music, you being a hip-hop artist, how did you get your start in that? So I'm being straight up behind it. I was a college student, like officially really starting. It went like this. I was a college student. I was going to school in PA. I was back home in New Jersey taking summer courses at a, like a local community college. I was working. I had a girlfriend. My girlfriend dumped me. 
I wasn't cheating. So <laughs> it had nothing to do. I have no women, nothing. It was, I was, had nothing to do. I was going to school. I went to summer school. I went to work and that was it. And I was going back to the crib. So I hit up one of my old friends when I back, when I was in high school, he was a little older than me. He used to like, one day he drove me to, in Jersey. There was, this, I think it got shot up and it, you know, every always messed up stuff. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Some got shot up. Like it was like a skate. He used to call skate 22 back in the day. He went to a skating rink. He was playing all these beats in his, in his car. I was like, oh, this is cool, yo. And I wasn't even really, really rapping at that time. Like I may have played around with it at, the, at my career, but I knew he made beats. So I linked up with him at his, in his house. His mom's crib, and I didn't know how to use software. I didn't know how to make any beats, anything. But I just was confident. I don't know why I was so confident in feeling that. I was like, I just know I, I can put a song together. I just know I can do that. Like, I listen to hip-hop every day. Like, I rap it all the time. Like, I've been doing this since, like, middle school. Like, you know what I'm saying? People who know me, be like, oh, yeah, he's always, like, beatboxing. He was always rapping, like, some up Jay Kiss hoes or whatever. So I go over to my friend's crib. And I, I remember it was one of the samples, it was like a Beat Nuts or, or, or Big Pun or something like that track. We sampled it. We, and I was like, yo, sample this and do this. And he was like putting drums on it and looping it up and doing all this stuff. I'm like, okay, yeah, do this, do that. And then like after it finished, it just sounded hot. He was like, yo, we should sell it. I'm like, yeah, we should sell it. But I just felt like at the time, the game was like whack. So I was like, yo, let's just rap on it too. You know what I mean? Like, cash is it. Wasn't even really rapping like that at the time. So I was like, yo, let's just rap on it. So he was like kind of reluctant, but he was like, all right, cool. He was just following my lead. And I was just like, yo, when I, when I was back in um, middle school, one of my good friends, he always had like a, a notebook. He would carry it around. And I remember I would be like, yo, you rap? And he'd be like, yeah. But he never rapped. But he always had a notebook with mad like rhymes and, or poetry or something. I was like, all right, let me just call him up. Yo, 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 me, me and my, we starting this, we starting this rap group, yo. We trying to be down? Yeah, 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 sounds good. All right, cool. So that's basically how it started. <laughs> what were, that's, that's pretty dope story, to be honest. What were some of you guys' early successes that you had being a part of that group? Damn, I remember the first time we was on stage, my uncle, your, you know, your cousin or whatever, he got us a show at Brown University in, like, Rhode Island. I remember I was, like, real young. It was a while ago. I was going to be, like, 18, 19. And he was, like, my uncle was real. He was, he was lying. He was lying. <laughs> it was freaking, like, a bad, a bad boy DJ was, like, the DJ. I remember I was so nervous at that show, man. It was, like, packed. It was, like, I was even, I think I just went to college. I was a freshman. And it was just, like, it was, like, a Delta sorority party. It was so, it was packed. It was, it was popping. So I, that's when I was on my ventures flow. Yo, I remember they called our name. We came out and it was just like, it was nuts. And I remember like everybody was just looking. And then I remember when we had one track. I don't know why, man. I was like, everybody put a hand in the air for hip hop. Everybody put their hand up. I was like 18. I was like, let's go. Boom, beat drop. And it was just rocking. I remember like girls <laughs> grabbed my legs and stuff. I was, it was crazy. So it was just crazy. Like everybody was just watching us. We was dancing on a stage. Like it was just cool, right? So I remember like driving back home to, from like Rhode Island back to Jersey. And I was like talking to the guys. I'm like, yo, like I used to play basketball real heavy. Like that was like my, my one of my main hobbies, my, my main loves. And, like there's like when you play basketball at like, 
college, varsity, high school level, it's like an adrenaline rush that you get, like you black out, like you get in the zone. I stopped playing ball and I was just focusing on school. Then I did music. And the first time I felt that adrenaline rush again, like basketball was like on the stage. Like that was crazy. And I was like, yo, we got to do this. That stuff felt crazy. That was dope. I mean, we done cool stuff. We done open up for like Slum Village at the Knitting Factory. Doris is soul. We opened up for Fight Dog from Tribe Called Quest. We met his mother. She wrote us a note at that show. She was like, yo, your group reminds me of my, my son's group. It was wild. It was at BB King's and we came in into the crowd and like some lady tapped my homie LG, Jarrell. And he's, she's like, come over to him. And like Jarrell's like, come with me, Sal. And I'm like, Okay. And it's just mad people packed. It's like basically this lady and she's like, she points up and it's like Fife Dog's mother. She's sitting in like a little, and B.B. King's is like, you can eat food and watch the show. You know what I mean? If you ever, anybody go to B.B. King's, you know. So she was sitting there and she's just like talking to us. I'm like, yo, this Fife Dog mom, this is crazy. So like, you know, she's talking to us and whatnot. And then like, she lets, she like take Basically, we was already backstage, but, like, she was, like, wanted us to meet her son. Like, so he's, like, we went to, like, after the show, Fife Dog performs, he kills it, you know what I mean? And, like, we go backstage and we meet Fife Dog, we give him, like, a t-shirt that we had. Like, that was really cool. So, rest, R.P. Fife Dog, that hurt when he when he passed. I'm a big Tribe fan. Yeah, I mean, we done opened up for Dave East in the city, like, for when he was first starting really going on the circuit. I mean, we done this show. I remember the first time we got paid. That was crazy. I didn't even know that we was going to get paid. I was like, what? Oh, we get paid? This is crazy. Like, it wasn't even much, but it was just like, I don't know. Like, we was really on the, we was on the bill. Like, we opened up for this act, Odyssey. He's like, he tours real big over internationally and stuff like that. That was when we first, we dropped our first album. That whole summer, we was, we was on, basically on a little mini tour throughout New York. Oh, yeah, then we formed Webster Hall with, like, Sess Crew, with Live Nation Bill and all that. They part of, like, Strange Music with Tech 9 and all that. So we did that at Webster Hall. That was really cool. But the, the one with Odyssey was, like, super dope. Oh, dang. The Webster Hall one was the first time we came off the stage. That was the first time somebody wanted to take a picture. That was That was crazy. That was really crazy. It was some. It was day fans, and like they were just like, "Yo, can we take a picture with you guys?" And I'm just like, "What? Yeah, like what? That's <laughs> dope, like for sure, like." So that that was cool, and I'm like the first time you like someone want to take a picture. That was really cool, and then you come outside like, "Yo, you're the group that was on stage," and people following you. You go to your car and just, "Yo, man, that was a dope show." Just like getting a lot of love and feedback and stuff, and. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we we come back in the outside off the off the stage, like at a show, and like there was like Caucasian girl from United Kingdom, whatever, and she was like, "Yo, it was I." I remember Primary Fabrics. I think that was the last song we we led with. We got a video for that on YouTube and whatnot. Yo, she comes up to me and she's like, "Yo, I don't know who you guys are, but I came here to see Odyssey. I was outside, but I heard that beat that was playing on the inside." And I was just like, yo, I got to come in and see who this is. So I was just like, oh, that's crazy. Just little random stuff like that, yo, is, is like a cool thing, man. You know, people buying merchandise, all that kind of stuff, man. Like, you know, headlining, headlining bills and stuff. Those are some of the highlights. Getting on, like, Massive Film Nas's website for our video and stuff. Those, those are real cool things. Live magazines, little thing here and there, so... 
Those, those, are, those are some of the highlights, I would say. I, I still kick myself for now. When Action Bronson was gone, for not getting on the bill with him that one time. I, I didn't know that he was going to be fired like that, but we've done a lot of cool things. We've done a lot of cool things so far. What are, what are some of the things you have your hands in now on top of you know, your, your music career? 2020 is a big year for music, dude. Like, I uh, had a big birthday this year, so um, I was in Paris, France, and I was in Paris for like a week or so, and I basically recorded a brand new album. So, like, that's kind of one of my big focuses for 2020 is releasing that, some really dope tracks. Outside of that, man, it's basically, you know, things that we talked about as far as multiple streams of income, man. Just building up my assets, my asset column. Like, I'm trying to, you know, just be straight up on that right-hand quadrant. If anybody, any any of the listeners is a Rich Dad Poor Dad fan and read the book, get yourself off that left side of the quadrant and get on the right side. That's the only thing I'm really about, dude. Trying to get on that, trying to get on that right side. Self-employed, then you got investor and you got business. I'm trying to get on that right side of the quadrant. I got a web agency helping out, you know, e-commerce store owners and, with some like you know web design and branding and digital marketing i do that also in an investor as well as far as in real estate properties you know i have you know i'm a landlord you know i got tenants so i'm just you know growing that doing more real estate deals on top of that dabbling in these stocks and options i'm around like all these wealthy like financial advisors all the time so i've been like that's been one of my biggest journeys for 2019 just really getting into like Roth IRAs and you know, letting that double up, triple up every day and filling up my playbook with the, as much plays as possible to bring in as much active and passive income. That's all I'm about for sure, man, because that that's just going to just allow myself and others just to just do what they love to do, whatever that is. So that's it. That's dope stuff. Really appreciate you, you know, taking time out as well to come on the same show. It's great talking to you. And I'll be on that have. same show, man. I'll be seeing that same, you know, that little artwork, man. I'll be like, damn, <laughs> man, what well, I'm going to get me one get on one of them joints, man. So, <laughs> man. so everybody that listens to the same show, y'all keep tuning in, man. This this dude is passionate about this podcast, and I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. Thanks for the time, man. Hopefully, hope I can get back on again sometime. Appreciate it. So, yo, thank you again. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And continuing to show your support, remember to check us out on IG and Twitter, Sane underscore show, S-A-N-E underscore show, Facebook, The Sane Show. And until next time, we're out.